Hi, my name is Cheryl. And I'm going to give you my testimony tonight. Um, I want to pray before we start. This is difficult for me. But I'm doing this to hopefully be a blessing. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are real, that you're on the throne, Lord God, and that you are ever-present with us, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that my testimony will be a blessing to someone, God. Give me the strength, I pray, Lord Jesus, to share what you have done for me in my life, Lord, and where you have brought me from, Lord. Don't let me hurt anybody, God. But let me be an encouragement to them, Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I want to thank God that I am alive today and that I have a sound mind and that he, through the power of the Holy Ghost and his word, lives within me. I praise God that I have been washed by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God and my sins have all been washed away. The first time I was asked if I would like to share my testimony, my thought was, oh, I tell you what, I'm just going to sing this song for my testimony. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. That was my testimony. That is still my testimony. In Revelations 12 and 11, I've been reminded of this scripture by friends when I'm so hesitant to share my testimony. It says, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I and my fraternal twin sister were born when our dad was finishing Bible school. I was so blessed to be born in a home of prayer. I loved to hear my dad preach the word of God. I remember when saints would get together for any social and the men would all get together and discuss the word. I loved to be a part of this. I remember as a young child laying under a church pew listening to Brother V.A. Gidros preach at a fellowship meeting. I remember thinking in my heart, I always want to be a part of this. I remember one year at Lufkin camp meeting when Brother Barnes was preaching on healing. My best friend then had crossed eyes and she could not see. She wore really thick glasses. She went up for prayer after he preached and God healed her instantly. Her eyes were perfectly straight, and she no longer needed glasses. She could see perfectly. Yes, I was born into a home of protection, a home of love, a home where God was taught and respected. One day, 
Satan used one of the male figures in my extended family to alter the course of my life. At a very young age, in the dark, quietly, secretly, he started molesting me. Confusion filled my heart. I thought for sure I w- it was all my fault. If anybody found out, I would be in big trouble. A thorn had pierced my core. My very being and shame covered me. The sexual abuse that I went through as a child changed my identity. It changed the way I saw myself. I learned the only way to be loved was through this false image. Because of this, I married at a very young age. Unfortunately, this marriage did not last. And by this time, my life in the church, as I had known it, was ruined. The church friends that I had in my age group were no longer allowed to visit with me. I became the second-hand Rose, the tainted girl. I was 18 years old. One day, a man who was twice my age found me attractive and started showing an interest in me. I thought to myself, surely he will love me. Surely he will be proud of me because of my youth. Surely he will be good to me. Surely. On the first date, I found out that was not to be. And because of this intimacy and my church upbringing, I had to marry him. After all, I didn't want to burn in hell. This was the introduction to physical abuse, mental abuse, and more sexual abuse. At the age of 20, I started thinking about death. I would rather die than live like this. It wasn't until I was 40 years old that I decided that I needed to talk to a counselor. I am forever thankful that I found a Christian lady. Very painfully, I shared what happened to me as a young girl, and this Christian lady helped me to realize it was not my fault. I wept for weeks at the loss of my innocence. With time, I realized that I had a victim mentality. And because of this, predators saw me as an easy prey. You might ask the question, how could this happen to a Pentecostal girl? A girl raised in a Pentecostal home? The answer is sin. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me, Psalms. 51 and 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans 5 and 12. One day, 
walking out in the field in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I felt all alone in the world. And I was. I had no church family. I had no church to go to. I was estranged from my family. I cried out to God out in the field. I said, God, do you even know where I am? Do you even care about me? Nothing. I didn't hear anything. I got back in my car and I started back to my apartment. And on the way, I saw a church. The name showed no indication of what kind of church it was. I had determined in my mind that I was going to go to that church that night. So I went home, I got dressed, and I went to the church. <clears throat> I sat on the very back row, and the singing was nice, and the preaching was okay. I felt nothing. But all of a sudden, at the end of the service, there was tongues and interpretation of tongues. The interpretation was, Thou sayest... God, do you know where I am? Do you even care about me? I have loved you with an everlasting love. I know right where you are. I fell on my face before God. I've never forgotten this message from God. I've never forgotten that he would seek me out to talk to me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 34 and 7. Slowly, I started getting myself out of the pit with God's help. It's not easy to go back and face the shame of all your bad decisions. It's not easy to go to a church where too many would rather talk and say, did you know that she... I was so hungry to go to church, to hear the word of God, to live holy and righteous. So I kept visiting churches until I found one that taught the truth, and would accept me. Of course, I was too afraid to tell them of my past for fear of being rejected again. And I want you, the church, to love me. And I want you, the church, to accept me. And I want you the church, to let me be a part of the body of Christ because I really want to be a part of this church. First John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made in perfect love. One day, God allowed Gary Branham to come into my life. And Gary was a preacher of the gospel until his wife divorced him without cause. Gary and I got married on the basis that we would both 
dedicate our lives to God. We would serve God with no reservation. We prayed. We studied the word together. We made dedications to the kingdom of God. The six years that we had together were the best and the worst years. They were the best years because I had finally somebody believed in me. Somebody knew my heart. Somebody could see my love for God. Somebody knew and knew how to encourage me and help me. And they were the worst because six months after we were married, Gary found out he had cancer in both of his lungs. During the season of sickness, chemotherapy, surgery, and hospice, I found a deeper place in God. I stopped working and took care of Gary while he was at home on hospice for 16 months. I prayed. I studied the word of God. I anointed Gary and I prayed over him. I saw miracles during that time too. As his cancer spread, Gary lost his mind. He was unable to move and lived in a hospital bed in our home. In his mind, he was in a prison um, camp. And in the morning, they were going to come and get him and line him up before a firing squad and kill him. This broke my heart. Because here this lovely, powerful man of God had these terrible thoughts. So I prayed. One day the Lord impressed me to pray for him in a different way. I'd prayed for him every day. But this day the Lord impressed me to pray for him in a different way. So I got the oil. And I started at his feet. And I prayed that, that God would continue to heal his feet. And that those um, bed sores that God had healed, that they would never return to him again. And then I prayed for his colon and his liver that the cancer would never, ever come back to that colon and that liver again, that it would remain cancer-free. And Then I prayed for his lungs, and I prayed that the cancer would heal and be gone, and he would be delivered from that. And when I got to his head, I anointed his head, and I prayed, Lord, let this mind be in him, which is in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, I started speaking in a heavenly language. It was a language I'd never heard before. It was a language I'd never spoken in before. And the Holy Ghost moved through me. And I felt such an anointing. And I prayed and I worshiped God. I worshiped God. I thanked him for the privilege of prayer. The next morning, Gary woke up in his right mind. He knew things that I was totally unaware that he knew. He could give me directions to places that I didn't even know that he, re that he remembered. He, he was totally in his right mind, and he stayed that way until on Thanksgiving Day in 2008, the Lord decided to take him home. It was a beautiful home going. Even though I wanted truly, truly, I wanted to go home with him. 
But God did not allow it. He had other plans for my life. I've heard the preaching of the word most all of my life. I've read the Bible off and on during my life. And when Sister Green started the daily Bible reading program, I joined the group. As I read through the Old Testament, I saw the woman I was before my transformation in God. Pastor Green preached about the woman at the well. Jesus knew her past. Jesus knew her present, but Jesus loved her, and he sought her out. He went out of his way to find her. I was that woman. I was that woman. But God has called me to a higher calling. When I, came, when I started coming to Austin First Church, Bishop and Sister Stevens were the pastor, and they welcomed me and they loved me. When someone came to AFC and tried to bring up my past, I was so afraid. When some, I offered to leave so that the church would not be hurt and that nobody would be hurt and there would not be a taint on the church because of my past, it was easier for me to run. But Sister Stevens lovingly told me that my past was under the blood. I'm so thankful. She told me to stay right here at Austin First Church. The harvest is past, and the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the breach of the daughter of my people am I crushed. I go mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no dressing applied for the healing of the daughter of my people? It's Jeremiah 8, 22 through 20 through 22. While preparing to share my testimony, I was reminded of the balm of Gilead. You see, I have taken all of my hurts and my events and my shame and my regret, my disappointment in myself, and I tucked them away and locked them in drawers, and so I would not have to deal with them, and I would not have to remember them, and I wouldn't have to talk about them, and they were no longer a part of my life. But in preparing for this, I had to go back and open the drawer and take that out and examine it and look at it. I was reminded of the balm of Gilead. I found that, that this is a place in Gilead. It is a heap of stones of testimony. Remembering, recording the events of my life, I remember the tremendous pain I slowly built an altar with every pain. With every hurt, I built an altar. With every disappointment, I built an altar.
Bible records that in ancient times there came from Gilead a substance used to heal and soothe. It came perhaps from a tree or a shrub and was a major commodity of trade in the ancient world. It was known as the balm of Gilead. And that name became symbolic for the power to soothe and heal. It was at Austin First Church after a message by Brother Stevens about giving your hurts to the Lord that I found that place at the altar. I came down here actually to pray for somebody else. And right over there, right there at that altar, when he said, whatever your hurts are, just take them and give them to God. Just give them to God. So in my own quiet way, I said, I started, I said, Lord, you, you remember, Lord, the time when I was a child? God, do you remember that hurt, Lord Jesus? And Lord, I'm just going to give that to you. I'm just going to give that to you, Lord. And Lord, forgive that person, Lord. I forgive him, Lord. God, don't hold that against him, Lord. God, I'm just going to give that to you. I'm just going to take that and give that to you. It was right over there at that altar that I took that. And I gave every event, every hurt, every disappointment to the Lord. I forgave every person from my childhood and asked God to forgive them. I forgave every person that abused me and misused me. Asked God to forgive them. That huge load of hurt was lifted right here at Austin First Church. God had so lifted that load that I contacted everyone that I could and asked them to forgive me. And to let them know I had forgiven them. And I asked God to not hold it against them. When I lived in Pueblo, Colorado, I had dreams of praying. People would come to me and ask me to help them pray. That was in my dreams. The dreams confused me. Because I was not attending church and had no spiritual influence. When I moved to Austin, Texas, God continued to deal with me. And when Gary Branham came into my life, my night turned to day, and I learned how to pray, to pray earnestly, to pray continually. I'm so thankful to be a part of the praying men and women here at Austin First Church. I'm still learning more about God and more about prayer and more about faith. Today, I am a sinner that has been saved by the grace of God. God brought me out of darkness into his marvelous forgiveness. There are many more that are following me. <laughs> many more will be coming in with shame, with disgrace written all over their faces. Many more will be coming in with a huge load of sin and unforgiveness in their hearts. Many more will be coming in with baggage of hurt and disappointment. Here at Austin First Church, they will find Jesus. 
and they will find a church family that loves them. Here they will find forgiveness, washing away of their sins and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Here they will find acceptance from people that are saved by grace. Here at the foot of the cross, they will find their place in Jesus Christ and the church. Here they will find their calling in these last days. God is calling them one by one, two by two. Preachers' daughters are going to come in that have backslid. They're coming in. Preachers are coming in. They're coming. The prodigals are coming in one by one, two by two. God is calling them. Many will come off the streets with no former understanding of the word and the grace of God. But God is calling them. Trust me, the lost are coming. If God can save and redeem Cheryl, God can save anybody. Therefore, I tell you, because her sins have been forgiven, she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Luke 7, 47. Earlier this year, I was privileged to go to a prayer workshop in San Antonio. The Holy Ghost spoke to me in that workshop, and he said, get up every morning and pray at 6 a.m. and pray these three points. I repent. Surrender my will, and God, be Lord today. So every morning I get up and I build an altar. And I repent. God, if I've done anything, Lord God, that you're not pleased with, Lord, please forgive me. God, if I've said anything or my attitude was wrong, God, or I had the wrong intentions, Lord, please forgive me, God. Please, God, take your word and shine it on the tables of my heart and my mind, Lord, if there be anything wicked in me, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I want to be pure. I want to be clean, Lord. I don't want to be led astray, God. Lord, I surrender my will. God, I don't want to live in Cheryl's will. God, I want to live in your will. I surrender, God, my will. I surrender my will in this day, God. I surrender, Lord, my intentions. Lord, I surrender my finances. Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my finances. Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my work. Lord, not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my family, God. And not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my home, I surrender my will. And God, the almighty God, be Lord today in my life. God, be Lord today. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Your will be done.
today, Lord, this day. So every day I get up, I build an altar. I spend time with God that forgave me and gave me opportunity to live for him. There's a song by Hezekiah Walker that goes like this. And in just a minute, you're going to wish I could sing. <laughs> There's beauty in my brokenness. I've got true love instead of pain. There's freedom Though you've captured me, I've got joy instead of mourning. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share my testimony, and thank you for loving me. God bless you. <laughs>